MSW Media. Hey, this is Tiffany Thiessen, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. I got to tell you a story. Want me to tell you a Gene Hackman story? Yes, I do. I don't even know if it's funny. Okay. It was the first night, and the, the director said, well, he wants, let's have a dinner so everybody gets to know each other. So we got the restaurant, the back of a restaurant, and this is my first movie. I'm nervous as hell. There's Gene Hackman. I never met him, and... And he gets, he, the director says, let's everybody just say something, you know? And everybody went around, said something, and it came to me, and I just said, I got to tell you, this is the biggest thrill of my life to work with you people. Uh, this is the first movie I've ever done. And from in the corner, Gene Hackman goes, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with and done. Hello, everybody. I am Dan Dunn, and this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. And you heard that was a little earlier. That was Ray Romano, the great Ray Romano. Everybody loves Raymond. That was from a chat he and I had a while back. And uh, who doesn't love a great Gene Hackman story? I do. I thought it was great. And uh, always good to talk to Ray. I'm a little tired. I'm going to be honest with you. I, um, I just got back from... Austin, Texas. Uh, I was down there with a uh, for an event. I do some emceeing down there for an event called the Whiskey X. It's a it's a really really fun event, and I'm happy to be part of it. Um, and uh, there was a man, thousands of people. I think a lot of people there showed up, and uh, it was hot but amazing. And uh, had this band, the X Ambassadors, play. You know these cats, they're good. Run away. Yeah, them. them. I liked them a lot, and I, and I wasn't really familiar with them before I got there, but it went a little crazy. Speaking of the Whiskey X, I'm going to be doing another one in Denver, Colorado, on Friday, October 18th at the Wings Over the Rockies Air and Space Museum. It's going to be killer. There's a performance by St. Paul and the Broken Bones, another fantastic band. The Whiskey X Denver is presented by Flaviar. Flaviar is a better way to experience fine spirits. If you become a member, they'll send you samples. They give you access to rare and original spirits, invite you to great events like the Whiskey X. And for instance, if you go to the whiskeyx.com, that's T-H-E-W-H-I-S-K-Y-X.com, Flaviar will give you 20% off VIP tickets for the event in Denver. And again, that's Friday, October 18th, featuring St. Paul and the Broken Bones and me. I'll be there. Dan Dunn. 
Also, what we got going is uh, Bourbon and Beyond is coming up. I'm finally leaving in a couple of days. I'm heading there. It's going to be the last time I get to play this for you. But hey, let's do it. Bourbon and Beyond. The world's biggest music and bourbon festival is even bigger. September 20th, 21st, and 22nd at Highland Festival Grounds of the Kentucky Expo in Louisville with Foo Fighters. Zach Brown Band. Robert Plant and the Sensational Space Shifters. Gerald Hall and John Oates, John Fogarty, ZZ Top, Leon Bridges, and more. Complete lineup of musical artists and celebrity chefs at BourbonandBeyond.com. All right, all right, all right. Matthew McConaughey likes it, and you know why? Because Wild Turkey's going to be there, and that's his favorite bourbon, as we know, and Long Branch, which he makes with the legends, the Russells from Wild Turkey. Some of our other favorites are going to be there. We got Basil Hayden's is going to be there. Jim Beam, Michter's, Angels, Envy. We're going to be talking to all of them. We're going to be talking to reps for all those brands and more while we're there. Uh, Wes Henderson, for instance, I already got something lined up with him. Wes owns Angels, Envy. And that's a great bourbon brand. And anybody who drinks bourbon knows that. Speaking of drinking... Uh, did I mention we got Nick Swartzen coming up? We got a little interview with him. Maybe I should have mentioned that. Nick Swartzen and Jessica Hall. Just a little snippet from an interview I did a while back with Nick and Jessica, who has uh, been on The Girls Next Door, was heavily involved with Playboy. She's, uh, she's great, and she was there, too. Uh, new products. I'm digging. I know you like this. I know you like to hear about the stuff you ought to be drinking. And I'm going to tell you, I got two things I'm going to tell you about today. They're they're both. They're, one's a wine and one's a whiskey. Uh, first up, Oceano Wines, 2015 Pinot Noir. Just came out this month. So let me tell you about Oceano, and I'll spell that for you. It's O-C-E-A-N-O, Oceano. Uh, it's a joint venture between Rachel Martin and Kurt Deutsch. Rachel, I met years ago when I was writing my book, American Wino. Uh, I was driving through Virginia, and her family owned Boxwood State, a winery in Middleburg, Virginia. And she was running the place and was gracious enough to uh, show me around, and uh, it was great. I, I loved it. I loved my time there. Kurt is a Grammy award-winning music theater and film producer, and he's now the senior VP at Warner Music Group. They met randomly at the Middleburg Film Festival in 2014, watching one of Kurt's movies, romance happened, and then they decided to make wine together and, and to do so in a very specific place. It's called Spanish Springs Vineyard. It's on the coast of San Luis Obispo, California. It is the westernmost vineyard site in California, Spanish Springs is, and it really offers this cool climate uh, that is perfect for Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Um, Oh yeah, Rachel and Kirk got married in 2018. And that year, their one of their first wines, uh, 2016 Spanish Spring Chardonnay, was released. But we're talking about the 2018 Pinot Noir, and it is delicious. Uh, only 230 cases of this made. It's got a beautiful ruby color to it. The flavor profile, I think, has got a lot of cranberry, pomegranate, red currant, strawberry. It's very fruity. It's a fruity wine. And on the nose, you get rose petals and a little bit of tobacco. And again, more of that delicious red fruit and it's only $45 a bottle so you can't beat that so don't just go get it and then the other one this is kind of cool it's a whiskey it's a new whiskey called Starward Starward S-T-A-R-W-A-R-D and it's an Australian whiskey made in Melbourne 
And what sets this wine apart from other world whiskeys is that it's completely matured in uncharred Australian red wine barrels. Uh, their first whiskey just became available. They've been around for a couple of years, but their first whiskey in the U.S. just became available. It's called Nova, Starward Nova, uh, and it's a lauded wine in Australia. It was named the best Australian single malt at the World Whiskies Awards uh, two years in a row. And this whiskey's got some berries and fruit. The fruit's the theme today, and some oakiness, a little spice, and then vanilla and berries and caramel. The caramel. Hold on, let me wash my mouth out here with soap. A caramel, Car- caramel, caramel, caramel. Got a long fruity finish, a little tartness on that finish, and some baking spices. It's forty-one percent alcohol, and it is now available all over the U.S. And the suggested retail price is fifty-five dollars a bottle. I mentioned um, American Wino, my book. It's actually called American Wino, A Tale of Reds, Whites, and One Man's Blues. Uh, Those of you who listen to this show regularly know that I was recently in Philadelphia, where I'm from. I was back there, and while there, I hung out with my cousin, Dennis. And I wrote about Dennis in Wino. Particularly, I wrote about the fact that he lost his leg. And I wanted to tell that story. Um to you because it's been on my mind having been back there and and hanging out with Dennis who I love and you know the story of a guy losing his leg at a young age may sound depressing but on the contrary I I find it uplifting I really do Dennis is an inspiration and well here's the story so it never really surprised me that Dennis lost his foot along with a good chunk of his leg Dennis had been losing things all his life, including things that were larger and more expensive. What was surprising to me, however, was the way he lost it. If you told me it came off in a knife fight, I wouldn't have batted an eye. Same if it was a motorcycle accident or a drunken fall from electrical tower. Antibiotic-resistant syphilis? That'd be par for the course. Retribution for an unpaid gambling debt, a drug deal gone wrong, a roll in the hay with another man's old lady, vacation in South Jersey, any one of these things would have been a reasonable, predictable explanation for why Dennis suddenly found himself at age 45, a leg down. Like most of the degenerates we came up with in Philly, throughout his adolescence, Dennis had courted disaster like she was the hottest chick in school. Only Dennis married her, had kids, then got caught cheating with Disaster's sister during a family reunion. Disaster kind of has it in for him at this point. Still, though, a Christmas tree ornament. It's just goddamn embarrassing. But there it is. A Christmas tree ornament took my cousin's leg. He stepped on it on December 26, 2013. Riley, the frisky family kitten, had batted the harmless thing off the Christmas tree and it rolled out onto the living room floor to meet its untimely end beneath, as shit luck would have it, Dennis's bare left foot. It was the one literal misstep in a life full of figurative ones. Dennis, I should note, is a type 2 diabetic, which makes him more susceptible to infections than those of us with normal blood sugar regulation. Diabetes also inhibits blood flow, which results in decreased sensitivity in the extremities, Decreased sensitivity blocks the the body's primary warning system, pain. So when the bulb broke under his foot, he didn't feel much of anything. He didn't much feel the resulting infection either. It being on the bottom of his heel, he didn't even see it. 
Wasn't long, though, before the smell became hard to ignore. He went to the emergency room and was diagnosed with gangrene with one sniff. Three weeks into the new year, 27 days after stepping on a sparkly fetish item meant to induce a nostalgia-driven retail orgy, the doctors took Dennis's left leg, just below the knee. Dennis doesn't remember a damn thing about the offending Christmas ornament. When I asked him what it looked like, he barked, How the fuck would I know? Which illustrates a clear difference between Dennis and myself. If it were me and I'd lost a foot to an ornament, I'd know that Christmas ball inside and out. I'd know its date of manufacture and would have memorized its model number. I'd call the company that made it weekly and harangue their poor innocent receptionist, demanding to speak to an ever-escalating series of managers and vice presidents. But if you think that Christmas ball haunts Dennis's dreams, well, then you don't know Dennis. Dennis's apathy is a thing of terrible beauty. A dogged lack of determination, exceeded only by his lack of luck. He's a Rodney Dangerfield joke, is told by Mitch Hedberg. A guy who wears his indifference like mirrored sunglasses. A reflective barrier between him and this least of best possible worlds. And I understand that these may seem like awfully harsh things to say about a one-legged diabetic cousin. But I assure you, Dennis doesn't give a shit. Plus, I'm going to leave out the part about how at the time of the unfortunate Christmas ornament accident, Dennis was also unemployed and sleeping on his mother's living room sofa, because that would be kicking a man when he's down. And we're talking about a man who can't even kick you back. At least not unless he's sitting down. Harsh? Again, only if Dennis gave a shit. And I assure you, he doesn't. Hmm. Yeah. So throughout his pedectomy, Dennis remained surprisingly upbeat. I should note that Dennis is not in most senses a downer kind of guy. Indeed, his defiance is unmatched outside the world of third-party presidential candidates. When I asked him what they did with his foot after they lopped it off, he said they probably put it through a wood chepper to prevent it from reanimating. I'll admit I found this ridiculous, because if the foot is infected, then all those individual atomized pieces are infected, and all you're doing messing around with a wood chipper is creating a bigger problem. Soon the conversation had moved to a more productive place with our idea for Attack of the Zombie Legs, the movie Dennis says he's going to write that's perfect for Richard Grieco. Someone get that asshole on the phone, Dennis shouted, and uh, tell him it's comeback time. In other news... Dennis doesn't have a computer, and the last time he wrote anything was in Sister Mary Flanagan's 8th grade class, a trenchant treatise titled, Everyone Sucks But Us, about his beloved Philadelphia Flyers. When we were trying to build a How I Lost My Leg cover stories for use in various social settings, we agreed that under no circumstance should Dennis reveal the humiliating truth about his injury to strangers, especially in Philly. He'd paid his pound of flesh and with the bone and tendons included, it was probably more like 10 to 12 pounds, and bought himself some bullshit rights. If history has taught us anything, and by history, I'm referring here specifically to the most memorable scene from Jaws, it's that few things in life are more compelling than a well-told scar story. In the end, we settled on a few go-to fabrications. One, he's a professional stuntman and lost his leg wrestling an alligator for an upcoming George Clooney film. He doesn't remember what it's called. Two, he got stung by a very, very large bee. Three, he tried to jump Snake River Canyon on a rocket-powered motorcycle. Four, cancer 
And bonus there, it also explains his baldness. Five, cut himself shaving. Six, he was on the USS Indianapolis. 1,100 men went into the water. Ship went down in 12 minutes. Didn't see the first shock for half an hour. Tiger, 13-footer. Seven, he was wounded trying to save a kitten from a bear. Stupid kittens. Eight, he lost it in a poker game. Trip ace boat to four twos. Ouch. Or nine, he stepped on a St. Patrick's Day ornament. When they point out that there is no such thing, he says, oh, now you tell me. Then Dennis tries to scratch his missing foot. Like so many recent amputees, he gets phantom feelings in his not-there-no-more limb. He compared the sensation of waking up in the morning to go to the office, only to realize it's Saturday, and you're like, oh, never mind, I don't have to work today. Now, for a moment, I want you to set aside the fact that this is a guy who's never had an office job or gotten out of bed before 10 a.m., because Dennis's analogy speaks volumes about his Panglosian outlook on misfortune. Equating the loss of your leg to forgetting that you're allowed to sleep in is like comparing getting punched in the mouth to be given free orthodontia. Dontia. Dontia. Dick that I am, I pressed him on this, and Dennis conceded that he'd rather have the leg than the luxury of not needing to scratch it. But his reflex answer reveals why, despite all the drama and surgery and lack of leggedness, he's probably going to be just fine. Wake up one day and you're an amputee. That's one less shoe to worry about. Turns out $10 worth of socks is actually $20 worth of socks if you only have one leg. Score! Turns out he's also grown fond of Riley, the kitten that got the ball rolling towards his leglessness. Just another lesson from the book of Dennis. To me, that cat would be destined for a burlap sack in a river, but Dennis doesn't see it that way. I don't know, he said. Just that. If the Buddha came from Ireland, I know what his name would be. It's tempting to think of Nietzsche. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Now, Friedrich wasn't typically one to sugarcoat things, but I'm pretty sure that's bullshit. Sometimes life kicks you in the balls, and instead of making you stronger... The shock makes you sterile, and then you never have kids to pass your misinformed bullshit onto. Allow me to propose a slight edit, Mr. Ubermensch. What you don't put behind you makes you its bitch. No one gets in Dennis's head but Dennis. Not a gambling debt, not a jealous husband, not a drunken fall off an electrical tower, not a kitten and a Christmas ornament that teamed up to steal his leg. Dennis is not going to solve the unified field theory, and he's not going to fix world hunger. But he honestly doesn't give a shit about doing those things. Honest being the key word. Not giving a shit is a skill I've never been able to master. For example, I know I'm not Tom Wolfe or Jack Kerouac or any of those genius fuckfaces that change the world every time they put pen to paper. But instead of not giving a shit like I should, I take up time and energy being envious instead of working away at things I am good at, which is to say being an adorable, half-drunk, non-genius. Heroes aren't all in textbooks or on TV imploring us to sweat to the oldies. Sometimes they're sleeping on their mother's couch, snuggled up with the cat that took their leg without a trace of bitterness in their soul. And that's the dentist story. And I guess uh, now would be a good time to transition to the interview with Nick Swartzen. And as mentioned earlier, again, it involved uh, my friend Jessica Hall and... Uh, and a few drinks. <laughs> but 
but it's a lot of fun and, and Nick's one of the funniest men in the world and here let's check it out Jessica Hall, Nick Swartz. And Nick, you're from Minneapolis. You started doing stand-up when you were 18 years old, right? I'm from St. Paul, technically. All right, it's right next to They're right next to each other. Yeah, but they're fucking different. All right, I'm sorry. Nick, Nick, Stillwater, Minnesota. Who? Me. Are you really? Yeah, like half my family lives over there right now. Stillwater's great, right on the water. I love Stillwater. Oh, it's awesome. Right over the the fucking uh, hop, skip, and a jump from Wisconsin. Is it the boonies? Hudson, Wisconsin. You go there on Sundays for alcohol. Yeah. You know, because Stillwater. Or anytime. Dan, Stillwater's a dry town on Sundays in Minnesota. Oh, I'm... I'm Minnesota, you can't buy liquor. You can't buy alcohol on Sundays. On Sundays. Yeah, it's fucking terrorist shit. The entire state. The entire entire state? state. Oh, I didn't realize the entire state. I think so, yeah. You can't in the Twin Cities. Wow. Yeah, it's real Iraq shit. Jesus. What do you do? do You you can cross over to... uh, What's near Minneapolis? St. Paul? Yeah, you just... I mean, obviously, you just that's find really some other drug to do. Yeah, that's true. Just drink, I, and then drink it. That's what I do. Just put a bunch of Coke in a glass and drink it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's too cold. And pretend ah. it's like... Mm. Way too cold there. I'm going to have another drink. Um, all right, so where'd you go after... You left me... You went to New York, right? I went to New York City. What was your break? What was your break? I was break? like Mary Tyler Moore going to the big city. What was your break? What was your big break beyond, you know... Doing I don't know. I, don't, I never see... Is there, like, a, a big break? I mean, I guess, like, my first Comedy Central special back in... Uh, God, I don't even know what the fuck that was. No. no. That was my second one. Four. 2003? I'll give 2002, you, maybe. I feel like you've been around forever. When I think I've of been any, around a long time. But when I think of any comedy movie, which is, like, a lot of the ones... That I see, you're all, yeah. you're in every single one. But you look, I came up with Richard Pryor. You look so spry. Oh, okay. That's not true. But I played oh. Mr. Sulu on the original Star Trek. Did you really? Not a lot of people know that about me. Um, but I want to look on your. I'm going to go online on the intranets. Oh, that's exciting. And see what you. I know it's great for the look people. Look at all no, the pictures of let's me. Let's see your first comedy. Oh, you went to the Comedy Arts Festival when you're 20 years I, old. I like how you're challenging me on my first. But it was like 2003. I refuse to believe that you can actually remember. Please don't Google me. You're, I knew it. Your your stand up. Comedy Central Presents was 2001. Oh, fuck. It was 2001? 2001. Yeah. Jesus Christ. My God. Do you feel old right now? You look no. good, though, man. You look great. I look like a fucking boss. You look... Uh, it, That's because I fucking blow werewolves at night. And they're is that what it is? Semen. Yeah, it's is like it? a weird, like, supernatural <laughs> thing, and it, it keeps, keeps you young. young. Well, <laughs> semen does... It does contain a lot of zinc and calcium and iron. It's good for I you. bathe in semen. Iron? I bathe in semen. You have. My I own, would not admit that. My own semen. I wouldn't Your own. That. So you must have like 40 testicles if you're going to yeah. c- come that much. No, I just have I'm very horny. I'm very horny. I get over Speaking that path. Of, yes. Semen. Uh, I, I rented Bucky Larson not too long ago from my yes. TV. And I was laughing so hard, especially like how do you get into character when you're in the scene and you're literally going crazy because you're about to like, you know, explode. Right. In a nice way of putting it because I don't know what I can say on this you show. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, we've dropped like 40 F-bombs. I think you can yeah. say or. Oh, okay. yes. right what can I done. say at this point? Is there <laughs> some I red say, flags? Can I well, say ejaculate? Nick, on my can show. Can I say movie? Is are that you a bad guys word? fucking with me or making no, fun of me? Because I'm no. going to fight you all. We're not, no. easily making fun of you. <laughs> Obviously, blatantly making fun of you. Wow. Wow. You know what? No How is there any gray you, area as to what we were doing right there? Um, wow. Well, and, she was, and after she just complimented you on Bucky I did. Larson. I did compliment. I, I know. It was funny what I'm you done. said. Do you want to take it good. back? I do take it back. How can you take back the compliment? You're the one that said the funny <laughs> thing about what you could say on the air. I'm not 
not sure because on my show anything goes, but I'm not. This is my first time doing Dan Dunn's Happy Hour. Right, so I'm, that's you've been true. saying fucking semen, so yeah, you semen, can say yeah, whatever you, can you say, want. You can say whatever you want. All right, what's the question? Go Come ahead. On, let's make I'm up. Kind of over it. She's All done. Right, well, I'm gonna fire it up. <laughs> Here's what it's like to get into character. It's it's hard. Get it? Yeah. It's uh no, it was fun. It was a fun movie to do. It's just such a goofy character because I couldn't swear or be dirty. I was like. Almost like Napoleon Dynamite, where I had to be like really clean. Yeah. But it's a movie about fucking and porn and tits, and so I had to be like, "All right, how are you?" Like you couldn't, I couldn't say anything like bad or dirty, so it was kind of t- challenging. Can I say Christina Ritchie was so hot in that movie? I mean, she's awesome. Yeah, hot I anyways. thought she, that was like one of the best she's ever looked. I agree. I totally Christina agree. Christina Ritchie. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah she I looks like amazing it. in that movie. That, she's, I'm with you. The best she's, she's ever sexy. looked. She's sexy. Nick, you're one of the great actors of our generation. That's kind when, of not true. When people cite the most memorable cinematic moments, the great quotes, you know, like you're talking to me or right. Frank Scar. I notice that rarely, if ever, do they quote your work. Uh, and what I think that's mean? really unfair because, frankly, in my mind, you sort of occupy that rarefied air. So I, one of my favorite quotes, you dude, jerking off on my mom is one thing. But sleeping with your grandma and her two roommates, that's legendary. Grandma's boy. Grandma's right. boy. Grandma's boy. So I want to play a little game with you right now. I have some quotes from movies you were in, okay. but they're not your quotes. Okay. There are other people. I want to know if you can guess the movie and then who said it. Here we go. Okay. Here's the first one. You ready? War Horse. <laughs> Did you already do say the quote yet? <laughs> you were in that? <laughs> he was the horse. Played, I was just yeah, going to say him. that. Man. Rock okay. and roll is a lifestyle and a way of thinking. And it's not about money and popularity, although some money would be nice. It's a voice that says, here I am, and fuck you if you can't understand me. What movie? I mean, that's an obvious one, though, because Is it? it's almost famous. Is it? Are you sure? Yeah. It's not Benchwarmers. All right. It was almost famous. That was your first. That, you played an insane Bowie fan in that movie. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. had like a little cameo. That was one of your first roles, right? That was one of the first things I ever did in Hollywood, which kind of like really kept me going when I moved to L.A. because, it, you know, it's a tough town. You audition a lot. You get a lot of rejection. It's hard to break in. And I idolized Cameron Crowe from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, um, Say Anything and stuff like that. So I auditioned for him for Almost Famous, and he's like, look, I, you're not right for any part in the movie. But he goes, I think you're so fucking funny and awesome that I'm just going to create something for you. Okay. So he goes, I'll just find something for you in the movie. And that, like built my self-esteem up for a long time just to val you know just felt validated the cap cameron crow was like you're he really funny you. yeah i mean he like made you. me yeah. feel like okay i'm not out here just trying to suck my own dick in front of a fucking homeless person you got that one right and i'll give you that you got a point people. there you got a point okay next one you ready yeah troubled childhood if you consider a nine-year-old kid with a 35-year-old girlfriend troubled gandhi that's what i was gonna say <laughs> Is that you your final answer, Gandhi? Blades of Glory. God damn, you're good. You remember what you've done in your career. Uh, who said it? Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Chaz, you played Hector in the movie. Yeah. How was that? Tell, tell us about that experience. Much. It was a bigger role for you. Still, you were, it, was a, it was a pretty big deal. It was a supporting role, but yeah, it was a big role. It was yeah. great, man. I mean, I, I love Will Ferrell. I, I didn't really know him. I knew John Hader. Um, from Benchwarmers, so it was like great doing scenes with John. John's one of the few people I've worked with that Sandler and John Heater are two of the guys that I can't, I can't not laugh in the middle of a scene. I always, always, always lose it. Those two guys are the worst I've ever worked with in terms of like, I always crack up, and then everybody like, after a while the crew gets really annoyed, and it's just like, but Heater, like I always laugh with that dude. 
he's just so like so goofy. Like John's like one of those guys that's like me, like perpetually like twelve years old, where you just anything pooping and farting, it's just immediate <laughs> immediate laughter. You. He's always like, Swartzen, stop laughing so much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you're ruining the take. I'm getting in trouble. <laughs> you're getting me in trouble when you're being immature. Stop being a fart. That was scary good. <laughs> that was, wow. That was an, an amazing impersonation. Thank can, you. Can you do the rest of the show as him? Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Last one. You ready? Uh-uh. Instead of mahi-mahi, can I just get the one mahi because I'm not that hungry? Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> it was. It was the scene right on the beach when uh, he, was, he was cupping his what? testicles. Because um, I'm not that hungry. Um, what movie was that? Just go with it? Yes. No. Yes, you got to know what it was. Why I put it, it in there familiar? because of you. The House Bunny. You were oh. a photographer. Oh. The House Bunny. Yes. I... I but that was that Anna Ferris. Yes, she yeah. said it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I put it in because of the whole uh, Playboy thing. I get it. Thing. I get yeah, it. Right? Cheers to Playboy. Baby, yep. Here we yeah. go. Yeah, Cheers there to Playboy. You go. Too much Sailor Jerry for me right now. It's all right. It's okay. So you've you've done a lot is of work. Is the ship leaving the dock right now over there, Sailor? <laughs> Nick, you and I are going to go fight outside we in a second. We have to see <laughs> We're going to brawl. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Are you fucking wrestle. serious? Yeah. Because <laughs> if you're serious, we know I'll fight. But I mean, it's not a joke around. It's like, you are know. 10 and 2 against chicks, though. 10 against chicks. 10 and 2 against chicks. 10 and 2 against chicks. You I've lost to Dakota Fanning and Betty White. <laughs> what? By the way, lost badly and then was raped. She's a fucking badass, Betty yeah. White. Yeah. Um, you've done a lot of Sandler films. You, you brought up Sandler earlier. Uh, how'd you meet? How'd that relationship start? Um, he saw my first Comedy Central special. That's why I would consider that my a big break because that special was on for a while. They re-aired it for years and then Sandler saw it when he was in bed with his wife and he was like, that guy's really funny, man. He wrote my name down and went into the office and he was like, grabbed some of the younger guys that worked there and he's like, hey, do you, have you ever heard of Nick Swartzen? And they're like, yeah. And he was like, well, I want to meet him. So they, like, they got a hold of me and I came in and met with him and he was like, I really like you. I think you're funny. You have a good sensibility. We have a script called Grandma's Boy. Uh, we need someone to rewrite it. You can write yourself in the movie, whatever part you want. But, you know, we'd love for you to do that. So I rewrote it, wrote myself in as the best friend, and then the rest is kind of history. Like, they loved what I did, and then we just kept working together. Wow. I love that movie. Love it. That's a movie that you can watch, like, ten times like, and never get old. Do you have a... Do you have a fa- do you have, so you've done a lot of movies. Do you have a favorite a couple that you've... I mean, I would definitely say Grandma's Boy, just yeah. because it was so under the radar. It was one of those movies where it was, like, super low budget, no expectation... And we just could kind of, we were like kids in a candy store, just kind of like doing whatever we wanted. It was rated R, so we made it fucking crazy. And, you know, we didn't do well in the theaters, but we became a big cult hit. And, you know, it was just, it was just fun to do that movie. I just, I really loved it. It's the, it's the one movie when I, whenever I, you know, because I, I tell people often that, that we're friendly. Uh, and, I, you know, most keep of that my, to a minimum. Most of my conversations, I, when I meet people, I say, you know, you know, I know Nick Swartzen. And, uh, they always bring up grandma, Grandma's Boys as the, yeah. the first one that they bring up. Well, I think it's the most, for me in terms of a movie, like the most kind of normal I am, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like usually I'm always like the crazy fuck, you know what I mean? So I feel yeah. like people also respond to that movie, not just because like there's a lot of great one-liners, there's great characters, but just for me personally, it's also just like kind of like my most normal role. Like I'm always a fucking, there's always some crazy aspect to what I do, you know? Yeah. And that was Nick Swartzen. And Jessica Hall 
We had a lot of fun. A lot of, we had a lot of drinks, too. Could you tell? <laughs> that was recorded, by the way, at Baby Blues Barbecue in Los Angeles, as was the interview with Ray Romano. Baby Blues has always sort of served as my go-to interview spot. That's where I go when I got to talk to people. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that one, and I hope you did, too. I think Nick is very funny, and Jessica is just a blast as well. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, I want to remind you to, you know, get on the Instagram. I'm at the imbiber, T H E I M B I B E R. Like some stuff, leave me some messages, comments. I, I like, I like engaging. I really do like talking to him. I have some pictures up there of Nick Swartzen and of Ray and me and Jessica. I'm going to put a bunch of pictures up from this episode. And what else is there to tell you? Like I said, I'm off to Bourbon and Beyond. You're going to be getting some cool-ass stuff coming from there. I'm going to be talking to some artists, musicians, and whiskey people, and people in the crowd, and it's just going to be cool. Like that cool. Yeah. You're listening to the smooth sound of what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Until next time, I want to remind you of the immortal words of Betty Davis. There comes a time in every woman's life when the only thing that helps is a glass of champagne.